0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to White Oak. If you're a guest with us today, or maybe you've been with us for a while, we don't want you to miss out on anything happening around here. Be sure to scan the QR code on the screen for a link to find out more information about our church, download our app, learn about Grow Zone and student ministry and how you can give to White Oak. You can also scan at the Hub and fill out our online connection card to let us know you were here. Also, if you would like to learn more about White Oak's mission and vision, have an opportunity to meet some of our pastoral staff and find out what it means to be a White Oak partner. Join us for Discover White Oak. This event is held several times a year with lunch provided and is a great chance to meet new friends and hear all about what White Oak has to offer. Once again, thanks for joining us today.
1: Wide Let's stand together and sing. Come on, church. Let's do it. Let's do it. Here, we Here we go. Eyes wide and set on you. You made. you made. You made a road in the wild. Standing on ancient truth. I'm pressing on with my back to the past. And oh, let the young see visions of the future I sit on. To the lord this morning let's sing heart sing do this with us come on do this with us let's go heart sings stride with you oh, bursting like heaven in motion jesus you make me new i'm pressing on with my back to the past let the young see visions of the future and i say oh behind. Let's sing this out. The old life is gone. Come on. Miss out in my world. here change us transform us here.
2: Let's pray together. Father God, uh, we're so happy to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, God, we want to we put you in your proper place because many times we spend our lives uh, puffing ourselves up and we shrink you down, God. And Lord, we want to say that you are worthy of worship. This truly is where worship starts in this place together, lifting our hands in praise. So we thank you so much for the opportunity. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful and awesome name. Amen.
1: Now let's sing the weapon. Oh, the weapon. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. For the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never fail. Sing that with us, my God. God. Oh, and my God. together, sing this in faith. We believe this. You take what the enemy meant for evil. Sing it. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Sing it out. for the battle belongs to you lord sing this in faith i'm gonna sing
2: Good. Father God, we serve you. you know you have that power. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated, everybody. Welcome to White.
3: Would
1: you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be?
4: White Oak, thanks for being here. We are so glad you're here with this neighbor. Um, Now listen, here at White Oak, your generosity helps fuel some of the ministry that we do both in our communities, but also what we do around the globe, right? And so we want to spread the news of Jesus across all of the world. And so we're called to be generous with the resources that God has given to us. Now today I'd like to welcome up Sue Jabrain, to come up to the stage with me, and she's part of Impact Every, so uh, Impact Africa. So I'm bringing a friend up today to join me. Give Suja a big round of applause. Thanks for being here. <laughs> now, Impact Africa consists of White Oak members, Suja and her husband Tom, as well as Menta Berry and their fam- and then Tom and Suja's families with them. And it exists to impact the unreached people in West Africa uh, through spiritual discipleship, through developmental empowerment um educational initiatives that they run there and then medical outreach in the name of jesus so thank you suja for being here today i appreciate you joining me oh it's
3: great to be here with you guys this morning
4: so first of all let me just ask you a quick question to start us off here now in what way has white oak made an impact in your decision to serve our lord overseas as missionaries
3: wow it's had a huge impact um it's hard to believe that i began attending white oak christian church about 43 years ago when i was just three or four years old and so i grew up here at the corain campus anyways at, at this church i graduated from uh, corain high school and uh, university of cincinnati and so my roots really run deep here um, in this community and in so many ways i am a timothy of white oak christian church many people here at white oak invested in my faith. They challenged me to live out what I profess to believe. And so this had a profound impact on my decision to become a medical missionary and to serve the Lord overseas. So, in many ways, Chris, this is not just my journey. It's really mm-hmm. our journey. It's our legacy. It's a legacy that White Oak is passing down. And we really, do, I don't have the words to appropriately thank you, White Oak, because we would not be serving our Lord in West Africa if it wasn't for this church. Yeah.
4: Thank you. Thank you. For that. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about the area where you have been serving mm-hmm. as missionaries over in west africa
3: absolutely um, the country we have been serving in is predominantly a muslim country located in the heart of west africa and on if you look at the united nations human development index from two thousand twenty This country ranks 184 out of 189 countries in the world. And this simply means that it's one of the poorest of the poor countries in the world. And so our heartbeat in serving our Lord is to work among unreached people groups to make Christ known in parts of the world where there is little or no access to hear about Christ. And so one of the things is in these harder to reach areas of the world where the gospel is not present, they remain unreached for a reason. And so we need to be a bit more creative in how we share the hope of Christ with them. And a lot of times when you look at, Jesus, at how Jesus modeled his ministry here on earth, we see that Jesus was very holistic in his approach. He cared deeply about both the physical and the spiritual needs of those around him. And he didn't just talk about the kingdom of God. He really showed them what the kingdom of God is like. And so our strategy in ministry is to use developmental projects, medical outreach, educational initiatives to meet real felt needs, in order to develop relationships built upon trust and respect so that this gives us um, the privilege that we need to speak into people's lives about Jesus.
4: Okay, great. That's, that's very informative. Thank you. Now, we mentioned Minta Berry as mm-hmm. part of your group as well. So just briefly describe a little bit about what Minta's role is in your work.
3: Um, yes, I mean, we are incredibly thankful for Minta Berry. I think Minta started attending White Oak when she was just a little girl mm-hmm. as well. Um, here. And we are thankful for Minta and her heart to invest within the educational system where we serve, whether that's teaching English as a second language or partnering with local schools with different projects. But in addition to teaching our children, um, it's been a joy to watch as God has worked through Minta and White Christian church like summer camp offering from 2019 to bless a community of deaf students with a basketball court at a deaf school. And as a result of this generosity, it's really opened doors for one of our local pastors that we partner with often, Pastor Moise, to share the gospel with parents of the deaf students. And it just really, to these marginalized students, extends to them that God sees them, he sees their struggles, and he cares about them.
4: Yeah. So you guys are in a state of transition right now. Um, So just tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yes, we're in the middle of some pretty big transitions. Um, The security situation in our country of service has been declining at a pretty alarming rate due to increasing presence of ISIS and Al-Qaeda in our area. And it's just getting closer and closer to where we have been living. So finally, in February of this past year, after over nine months of concentrated prayer, a very difficult decision was made by the mission agency we work under, Christian and Missionary Alliance leadership, made the decision to indefinitely pull our entire team from the city we were serving in. And as much as this decision um, to leave our ministries ripped our hearts to pieces, we knew that it was time. We were at greater and greater risks of being kidnapped. We realized more and more how even our presence also put our national partners and their ministry at risk. Um, And so yet, during this pain and heartache of preparing to leave, it was incredible to watch as God was ever graciously showing up in powerful ways, reminding us that this is his work and not ours. And kind of like we sang that song, Mm -hmm. like he who intended something for, you know, for bad, for evil, like we're anxiously praying to see how God is going to bring good Mm -hmm. out of this. And the thing is, is God is faithful, and he who began a good work is faithful to see it through to completion. We just really ache not being able to still be a part of it.
4: Yeah. So tell us, where is God leading you guys next?
3: Right. So while we can't safely remain where we have been serving, we are making plans to return to West Africa in actually less than 10 days on October 7th to begin a new ministry in the neighboring country of Senegal. And so like our previous country of service, Senegal is very unreached as over 95% of the people there are Muslims. Mm -hmm. However... Senegal is a much safer safer place to live in. The U.S. Embassy currently has a level four travel advisory for our previous country of service, which just means do not travel. And it's been like that for quite a few years. But Senegal has a level one travel advisory, which is the same as that of traveling um, to places in Europe. When there, um, Tom will begin working alongside a farm project called Beersheba, a farm dedicated to training local people um, in the local people in the community about farming and agricultural development in addition he'll have opportunities to have a more regional role throughout West Africa and while we don't know exactly what medical opportunities I will plug into two things are certain the physical and spiritual needs in Senegal are great we serve a faithful God who has opened up incredible opportunities in the past for us and we are trusting that he would do the same for us in Senegal as well.
4: So how can White Oak be praying for you and your family and Menta during this yes, time? Yes, but
3: before I share our prayer request, yeah. if yeah. I could just say that words really do fail to express the depth of the gratitude that we have for each of you, for White Oak Christian Church, and for all that White Oak does to enable us— to make God's glory known in West Africa. And so on behalf of our family, of uh, Vintaberry, and the people of West Africa who are deeply blessed by your prayers and your financial generosity, we say in Nietzsche, which means thank you. But a couple, just two prayer requests, if you guys could remember, is an international move, and starting a new ministry is a huge undertaking. The logistics are overwhelming. And so if you could just pray that God would orchestrate the big and the little details to set us up so that we can... Thrive, you know, thrive serving our Lord in Senegal, that he would set us up in such a way that we could be fruitful in ministry. I can't go into all those what those details are, but if you just pray that God knows exactly what he need, what we need. And if God would just orchestrate those details and let them fall into place, we would be eternally thankful. We would be incredibly thankful. And one last thing is if you could just pray for our kids. Our kids are amazing. They're resilient, and they're looking forward to moving and going. But just pray for them because new place, new friendships, new home, that they would just set up well and that God would just abundantly bless them as well too and that we could be a blessing to the people of Senegal.
4: So we are going to pray for uh, Tom and Suja and their family and mentor right now. Now, you guys can't be up here with me. It would take a lot to bring you up here. But if you would, just extend your hands out. We're going to pray for her right now. And I'm just going to lift her up, dear Lord. We just thank you for... Suja and Tom and Menta and their family. Lord, we thank you that they are willing and able to reach out to people in places that have not heard about you, who have not been able to hear the the story and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we just thank you for them being willing servants, ready to go and make a difference in the world. Lord, we lift them up to you right now. We pray that the resources and the the places that they need to go, that those will become obvious to them, that you will open up those doors and make a way for them to work in Senegal and just to reach these people and new and powerful ways, Lord. And Lord, we just pray for their family, that this, during this time of transition, that you would make things smooth for them, that they would be able to feel loved and supported by the people around them, and that they would be protected, Lord, in this travels, that you would continue to send your angels over them and protect them. We pray for them as they travel, that they have safe travels, and we just ask you to be with them and to bless this ministry as you have in the past. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Now, let me just say to you that like this ministry that happens, it happens because Tom and Suja and their family and mentor are willing to go, but it also happens because of your generosity. The the resources that you share with White Oak directly go to help this Impact Africa team do what they're doing in West Africa. So I just want to encourage you to consider how you're giving and being a and partnering alongside with White Oak, okay? So you can give today in a few ways. You can give online, you can go to our app or to our website, dwocc.com, and you can sign up to give you know, one-time gifts or recurring gifts there online. You can also mail those to our offices. We will still we still process some of those through the mail. And today, if you have money that you want to give, you can give that back in the tables when the communion is. There's boxes on those tables you can drop those into. We just want to encourage you that through your generosity, you help make ministry at White Oak happen, both here but around the world. So thank you for what you're doing there. Now, today, you know, when I was growing up, I was thinking about this. I had a best friend. His name was Lance. Lance and I were, have been buddies for 35 years. We've known each other a long time, and, and yet he's still my friend. Isn't that crazy? He still wants to hang out with me after knowing me through all this. We played in the dirt together. That's how we started. He lived two houses. My, his grandparents lived two houses down from my house, and we would go in his backyard and bury toys in his grandparents' garden, which was fun. I'm sure they found, like, G.I. Joes in their dirt. It was fine. And then he spent... We spent all those years together, and and we were, later on, we were in high school band, marching band together, which, so we did that, and I spent many of my high school years at his house. Um, I can remember going to his house. We got in trouble together a lot, um, mostly because he listened to me. Um, I was the instigator. If you found us in trouble, it was probably Chris that talked Lance into doing it. Um, And so as we grew older, and we got jobs, and we got married, and we had kids, we continue to be friends. I mean, we go camping normally once a year together as a family. Now, here's the thing about Lance that makes him a friend is that I can count on him. I can count on him to be that. Throughout my life, when things were, went south or I was struggling, I knew that I could call Lance. I knew that that was someone who I could reach out to. I mean, when my mom got sick, I called him, and he supported me. When she passed away, he was there at the funeral for as a shoulder for me to cry on. And so when he came through, he would always come through for me. When I met Pam for the first time, he was probably the first person I called. I said, hey, this girl's pretty cool. Like, I think this is the one. He's like, all right, we'll see. That's what he says. Every, all right, all right. Everybody. Listen, he was a groomsman in my wedding. And when I got up here at White Oak the very first time to preach, the very first time I spoke, he drove up from central Kentucky to watch me do that. Everyone needs a friend like that. We all need a friend in our life who shows up no matter what. And so today, we are talking about tenacious friendship. I'm sorry. You guys heard that, right? Hold on. Let me see, let me see what's going on over here. Who's here? Let's see. Did you guys want to see who's at the door? Yeah. Hey, it's Jane. Hi. Well, hello, Jane. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Yeah, yeah I'm good. This is a little unexpected. Not gonna lie. I oh, well, I knew I, Menta was... I mean, I'm sorry. I knew Suja was coming up, but sure. I wasn't aware that you were coming.
5: Oh well, I got <laughs> you, I got your note that you sent me. Remember, it, I sa- know. it says right here, dear Jane. This Sunday we're talking about friendship, and since you're my friend, <laughs> I thought you might like to join us. Your friend Chris.
4: So I did send that to you. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of meant out there, like oh, you could be out there.
5: Well, shoot, while I talk this about is embarrassing. Friendship. Yeah, <laughs> because just ever since you said you were talking about friendships. I've been thinking just a lot about it, okay? Just a lot. You right? got a lot, a lot on my mind. A lot? okay? Yeah, and, you know, God's just really been challenging me about this, and I feel like I've got something to share
4: this morning. Well, well, how about that? Well, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Since you feel like you've got a lot to share on your heart, I think I'm just going to go sit down and let you do it. Oh, are you How's sure? That is, that, no, is that I'm okay? I'm good with that. All right.
5: All right. Well, well good, good luck, friend. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Well, first off, I have a victory I want to share with all of you that I've had. Recently, I got my two boys to sit down and watch my favorite sports film of all time, The Mighty Ducks. Do we have any duck fans in the room? Quack attack, yes. Quack, quack, quack. Quack attack is back, Jack. The Mighty Ducks, and if you're not familiar with the story, it is the story about hot shot lawyer Gordon Bombay, and he ends up turning into a pee-wee hockey coach due to a result of some reckless choices that he has made in his life, and not only does he become this hockey coach, he gets assigned to the worst team in the league, and his reluctant attitude to coach doesn't help things either, all right, and... Through the encouragement of his friends, old and new, he leads the District 5 hockey team to become the Mighty Ducks. And it all ends in the championship game. And there's this pivotal moment for one of the team players, Charlie Conway. He gets robbed of the final goal that could have been the winning shot. And his team has one last chance with a penalty shot to win the championships. And Coach Bombay says, I think it's time for you, Charlie, to finish what you started. Charlie's having a lot of self-doubt in this moment. So Coach Bombay takes him aside, and this scene always brings tears to my eyes. He looks him in the eye, and he says, you may make it, you may not, but that doesn't matter, Charlie. What matters is that we're here. Look around you. Whoever thought we'd make it here, what? Triple deke. Take your best shot. I believe in you, Charlie. Win or lose. And as the audience, you know that Coach Gordon Bombay is speaking from a place of authenticity because as you watch the flashbacks that are juxtaposed from his past to his present, you see the inner ghosts that haunt him. Gordon's story is the faith that Charlie needs to get on that ice. And so today, as we continue to explore this idea of what it means to be a good neighbor, I want to take a look at what it means to pursue friendships with people in the spirit of Coach Bombay. As we are continuing to impact this idea of becoming a good neighbor and what it all means, I want us to remember where we've come from. So week one, we talked about who is our neighbor. Last week, We talked about this idea of crossing cultures so we can close this gap that divides us and moves us toward people in love. Today, we are going to discover that friendships are the beginning of good neighboring. And when I say friendships, I am not talking about the friendships that are easy or convenient. I'm talking about friendships that are tenacious and they push past the convenience to commitment and transformation. I am talking about friendships that keep the faith when we have lost it in the midst of our circumstances. I'm talking about friendships with people who tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it. I'm talking about friendships that come alongside us and carry the burdens that weigh us down. Those types of friendships are the origin story of becoming a good neighbor. So today our big idea is this, good neighboring begins with tenacious friendships. And today we are going to take a look at a story in the book of Mark, chapter 2. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, uh, feel free to open them and join me there. You can also, if you're listening at home, You can also check it out on your Bible app as well, but we're going to be reading a story in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It's a bizarre story in the midst of Jesus' active ministry, and as we read it, it's, it's pretty brief and it's easy to gloss over the details, so we're going to kind of take a deep dive into a story about four tenacious friends and their paralyzed friend. So start with me in verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof, above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "'My child, your sins are forgiven.'" So I want to pause here for a second, and I want you to imagine this scene with me. Jesus is back in town. He's returned to Capernaum. He's staying in what some scholars believe is Peter's mother-in-law's house. It's kind of a fun fact for you. But word had gotten out that he was back in town, and soon this house became packed with people. It was standing room only, if you're lucky. While Jesus is preaching, A posse of four guys come strolling down the road with their friend physically, literally carrying a paralyzed friend of theirs with them. And I'm not sure how you guys all feel about crowds, but when I look at a room and it is reached, you know, like pre-COVID, you're shoulder to shoulder and you're breathing each other's air, I'm the first one to say I'm out. (laughs) It's cool. There's no way we're going to be getting in here. But is this how this posse of friends react? No. What they do is they say, hey, why don't we climb to the top of this roof? Let's see if we can go in that way. And they physically carry their friend up as they climb to the top of this house. And I want you to understand that in this time in first century Galilee, the houses were constructed in such a way that the roof would have a combination of beams and tree limbs and tree branches that were in kind of a crisscrossed mesh pattern on top. And then over that... There was a thick, hard clay, okay? So they're digging a hole in this roof, and it's not just kind of an annoying hole on a rainy day type of hole. It is a hole that's going to physically fit a full-grown man through. They are literally excavating someone's house. And I I can only picture the scene down below of what's going on, and and, um, I really love movie scripts and stuff. So I kind of think of it like a movie scene. It's like interior Capernaum house day. Jesus is teaching to a room full of people when all of a sudden some dust and dirt start caressing the top of his head. Cut to a close-up shot of Jesus, kind of looking confused as he's looking above as to what is happening. Cut to a wide shot Of all the disciples kind of standing around going like, what is going on here? As they see and they hear the scratching, cut to a medium shot of Peter comforting his mother-in-law. She's cowering in fear over the excavation that's happening above their heads. And then you cut to a medium shot of the ceiling and you hear the scratching of the roof. And the camera pushes in slowly as dramatic music plays. And then a bunch of dirt falls to the ground. Jesus steps out of the way. And they see this man being lowered to the ground to meet Jesus. And I can only imagine how wild this story must have been to experience in real life. Won't you be my neighbor to the next level? Am I right? (laughs) So everyone is looking up in awe and with confusion as this man is being lowered to Jesus' feet. And all eyes had to be on him. But the man was looking at Jesus, and Jesus was looking right back at him. And then Jesus turns his attention up to the four men up above who are probably peering through the hole, wondering what his next move is going to be. And per what we read in the text, Jesus said that because of their faith, my child, your sins are forgiven which is not exactly the initial outcome that they probably came for, but it was a good start, okay? But then we see later in the story, verses 6 through 12, that the Pharisees started to grumble. They kind of were the party poopers in the room, and they were kind of like, who's this guy who says that he has the authority to forgive sins and heal people? Okay, only God had that authority. And because Jesus could read the room and their thoughts, He turns to the man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. To which we read in verse 12, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And this response has to be my favorite part of the whole story. They were all amazed and they praised God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. That paralytic man walked out of that house that day with new legs and new faith, all because of the faith of his tenacious friends who were so determined to get their friend to the feet of Jesus that they were willing to destroy someone else's house to get him there. Good neighboring begins with tenacious friendship. So the literal definition of tenacious is persistent in maintaining, adhering to, or seeking something valued or desired. Ergo, tenacious friendships are relationships with people that push past convenience to commitment and transformation. Tenacious friendships are relationships that lead people to Jesus so that they can experience full life. Why do I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. This is my first time inside the building of our Ross campus. I am so excited to see how God is going to use this place. This is an outpouring of his glory. But if the people in it aren't willing to pursue people with tenacity, if they aren't willing to allow people space to be vulnerable in their pursuit of Jesus, if they are not willing to step into someone else's story and bear the weight of their burdens, then this beautiful new building will be no better than a pile of rocks on the side of the road. I want to challenge us to be a group that tenaciously pursues people because when we do that, when we pursue people first, we cultivate a culture of goodness that reflects God's glory. So how do we do this? This morning, I, I want to share a couple of ideas with you based on what we just read in our story today. And the first thing is the four friends carried the mat. This mat represented a lot of things to the paralytic man. It was his home. It was his identity. It set a boundary to others saying, well, you don't want to come too close I got a lot of baggage here. My life is really hard and inconvenient. Best not to uh, take an interest and get involved. This mat also represented a stigma in relation to his physical condition because back then, not only was the fact that he was paralyzed related to his physical health, but it was also seen as related to his spiritual health as well. This mat was seen as a pain point Of disconnection it was a barrier to connection with others and yet in this story that we just read this point of pain was not the hindrance to relationship the man on the mat didn't say no no don't come too close and likewise the four friends said you know what that looks hard and inconvenient I'm not going to get involved no That This point of pain, instead of being a barrier to relationship, became the point of connection that created the possibility for a miracle. You know, we all have a mat, every single one of us. We live with a pain point that we actually might see could be a barrier to befriending others because... We think that it would just be too much for others to bear. It could be a childhood trauma. It could be a fear you try to hide. It could be an insecurity that you try to mask because you think that by hiding it, it would be easier to connect with people because it would just be too much. Today I'm asking you, what is your mat? What is the mat that represents your pain point of disconnection? What is the thing that you just don't want to let anybody see because you are afraid that no one will want to connect or befriend you because of it? This, this Matt, it could be a hurt, a habit, a hang-up. You're trying to wrestle to the ground, or it could even be a sin that you may have committed or a sin that was committed against you. And the thing is about this, Matt, this pain point of connection, if we're not careful we can start to get a little comfortable on our mat and use it as an excuse or a tool to keep people at arm's length because, frankly, it's just more comfortable to stay here. And so we sit on our mat. And church, I'm going to let you know, as part of my story, I grew up in the church. I honestly don't think there was ever a time that we weren't part of a church family. We moved around a lot. Um, At the age of five, I encountered Jesus. At the age of six, I was baptized at our church in Virginia. And church, our family schedule really revolved around our church's schedule. We would go to Sunday morning service, Sunday Bible school. We'd go to Wednesday night youth group, or prayer nights, or special events. We We're well-immersed in church culture. But can I be honest with you this morning when I say that some of the deepest hurts I have experienced have been relationships with people I've made in the church? A big portion of my story, of my pain point, is this search for belonging and a deep-seated fear of rejection that I have wrestled with all my life. And it got so bad at one point in high school I left our church's youth group because the weekly reminder of the pain of rejection and my stagnant faith growth at the time it was too much to bear so I left. And if you're here this morning and if you have ever experienced this I am so sorry. You know, there's this phrase that's kind of trending, you know, church hurt. I've experienced church hurt, and that's like repelling a lot of people away. And, and I do want to say that some of the feelings around that are valid because the church is made up of imperfect people who are working out their salvation, as Paul says, with fear and trembling. What's not okay is to allow your mat to keep you from connecting with people because when we sit here and we get comfortable in our pain points and we think, well, you know what? It is just safer to sit here and be like, I don't care what people think. I don't need friends. I don't need to connect with people. I don't care. You know what that is called? It's called being apathetic. And we have a saying in our family, and it goes like this. Apathy is crapathy. Okay? Apathy is crapathy. Church, do you want to grow? Do you want to discover what true community is like? Do you want to experience the love of Christ through others? Then maybe it's time for you to see your pain point as the place where you want to invite someone in. Because this point of pain is the place of connection with this mat. And it could become an incubator for healing and transformation. Who's carrying your mat today? Because your miracle might just be on the other side of your vulnerability. Let me flip the question. Whose mat are you carrying this morning? Because somebody else's miracle could be on the other side of your being willing to embrace the awkward and the messy and the inconvenient. Which brings me... To another point that I want us to notice in our story this morning. When we carry the mat, we change the story. When we carry the mat, we activate new stories. We activate new life. When the paralytic man met Jesus, because of his friend's faith, he walked out of that house with new legs and new faith. And you know what is so remarkable to me about this story is that it wasn't because of the paralytic man's faith. It was because of the faith of his friends, the active faith of the paralytic man's friends that physically brought this man to the feet of Jesus changed the narrative of his life. We're all walking narratives, you know. We are all written and we are crafted by our creator God. And what I love is how the power of one person's story can change and transform another's story. Because we had the bravery to share our story through active faith empowered by Holy Spirit. Whose faith is changing your life and whose life is being changed through your faith? Faith is not just this mental exercise. I feel like we get caught up in this, but faith goes beyond our emotional experience. Faith is active. It is tangible, and it is physically manifested when we push past the boundaries of the pages of our Bible and we get to work in the stories being written around us. Pastor Heather Zempel, I love how she puts it, sometimes I think spiritual maturity might be measured in the calories that we expend on behalf of one another. The sweat from the labor that we put in is the water that hydrates the seeds of miracles that have been planted Faith is raw, it is tangible, it is hard work, and it takes perseverance. But realize that someone else's miracle could be on the other side of your faith. Someone else's miracle could be on the other side of the risk that you're willing to take in the place where you push past inconvenience. The faith of these four friends not only changed the story of their friend, they also changed the story of the surrounding community. Because you see, when we actively practice our faith with each other, we have an opportunity to shift the narrative and point it to God's glory. Like we read in verse 12, the people were astounded, and they exclaimed that we had never seen anything like this before. The story of the paralytic man changed through the miracle of Jesus' healing. And those who witnessed Jesus' healing of this man's story were changed because they witnessed God's glory on display. And so it goes with us. We are living, breathing stories written by God, who made us also that we could bring glory to Him. And it's the stories that we tell and the stories that we witness. And we're willing to become vulnerable and bear each other's burdens. If we're not willing to do that, we miss out on the gift of deeper understanding of God's love for us and his goodness. And if we don't push past the convenience stage and go into something deeper, the miracle of these four friends is their faith that set the stage for Jesus to show up and show off. About a year ago, I was diagnosed with some bursitis in my left ankle. It was very lovely. Part of my treatment plan was physical therapy and exercises to do at home. And here's what I learned through this whole process of healing. Our bodies are interconnected. When one thing is affected, it affects the whole. And I really think it illuminated this idea that we are the body of Christ. In Romans 12, in verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The way we function individually affects how we function as a whole. When my ankle and foot became injured, it couldn't function properly. It was causing me to physically walk with a limp, which was super fun. And I needed to invite someone else into my pain to help assist, guide, and encourage me to heal. And here's the thing, I think, is the hardest thing about friendship, is someone has to make the first move. Someone has to go first. Jesus went first. And he is pursuing you tenaciously, fiercely. It is overwhelming how much he loves you. And he wants his body of believers to reflect this love to everyone, to the world. In John 13, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. At one of the uh, lower points of my story, I found myself face down sobbing at the altar of God. I was tired. I was at the end of my rope. I was tired of feeling this pain of rejection. And I just had bottomed out. I, couldn't, I didn't know what else to do. So there I was, praying and sobbing. And in the midst of praying, I felt a hand touch my shoulder. And I heard a voice praying over me, words of healing, words of encouragement, And then I recognized the voice. Her name was Rachel. And I got to tell you, outside of this moment, Rachel and I were not close friends. I would consider her more an acquaintance. And if I was really being honest, we had a subtle competition going on between ourselves because we didn't see eye to eye on things. And we ended up in some of the same circles every so often. And she was kind of that person where I was like, well, all right, whatever. But here she was praying over me and her faith. She offered her faith to me in this moment because she was prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so. I was a benefactor of the faith of someone else when I had no faith left on my own. For the first time... God revealed to me in a very long time, I was seen and I was known by him through the faith of Rachel and her obedience to act on his behalf. Someone has to go first. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, he went first by dying on the cross on our behalf. In the book of John, chapter 15, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And here's the truth. Jesus loved all of us so much that he was willing to take his friendship to the next level, death. Jesus is our ultimate example of being willing to pick up his friend's mat and bring him to the feet of his father. He was willing to do whatever it took to make sure you and I were met with healing and forgiveness. So if you are here this morning or if you're joining us online and you've just never experienced this healing and this forgiveness that only Jesus can offer, I would love to talk to you after service. You can go ahead and shoot me an email. It's up there, jane.dorman at gmail.com. You could also reach out to your campus pastor, Chris Emmons. We would love to hear your story and how God is working in your life. And I would love to share with you how Jesus is that source of healing for you. White Oak, my prayer is this that we continue to grow in our tenacity, to actively pursue people with compassion, authenticity, and grace so we can lead people to Jesus' feet to experience full life in him. And I want to challenge you this week to go first. What do I mean by that? I mean take some time to pray and ask Jesus who it is he's bringing into your life that he wants you to reach out to. You can invite them out for coffee. We got life groups going on. You can sign up for life group. Get connected into community. But you have to go first. Good neighboring begins with tenacious friendships. May we be a community marked by the love of God and love for one another. Let's pray. Holy Father, I just thank you for the people in this room this morning and for those who are joining us online. Father, you are good. And I just ask right now that you would just empower us with your faith so that we can step into each other's story and share our faith with them. Teach us what it means to truly love one another as you have loved us. Empower us to go first. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: Let's go ahead and take our communion out together. Um, Isn't that a powerful, powerful piece of imagery right there that, that God went first? I think it's amazing that we can think about that as As we take our communion out, and right now we want to invite all followers of Jesus um, to uh, remember his sacrifice on the cross. But God went first. God came after us. Um, Jesus' death on the cross, his sacrifice, true friendship, we can think about. As you take communion right now, remember it's that meal that we celebrate together the bread representing his body that was broken for us, the juice representing his blood that flows. And we think about the friendship that we have with our creator, the creator of the universe. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for sending your son to die for us. How wonderful, how monumental. What an amazing act of friendship to say that you want fellowship with us. You don't want sin to be in the way. You love us more than anything. Thank you so much for that, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, all right?
1: Judgment. Oh how He loves me! I've got a friend, and He is my strength. He's my portion. With me in the valley, with me in the fire. Is sufficient. So come if you need needing forgiveness or healing. His mercy enough. Oh, and well, this is our home. The cross it is
4: You guys go going to be seated real quick here. Uh, Just a few things before you head out this morning. Um, We have Discover White Oak that's going to be happening after our 10.30 service this morning, both here at our Ross campus and at our Colerain campus, so it'll kick off around 11.45 noon. This is an opportunity for you to learn about White Oak, to hear about what we do, our mission, our vision, how we're here to support you and your family. So I'd encourage you, if you're new around here or you're just new even within the last year, come be a part of that. If you miss it today, we're going to be doing these again, coming up again in December we'll have one. We do these about five times a year so. We would love for you to be a part of that today, but if you can't make it today, look forward into the future for us to be able to connect with you, and you can connect with other people, so we're going to have that today following our service. Something else I want to bring to your attention is October 9th, we will be having a community serve day, a fall give back day that we're doing both at our Colerain campus and our Ross campus here, so... Uh, You may have gotten one of these sheets when you came in this morning. If you didn't, I would encourage you to pick that up. That's here. uh, that will be at the doors as you're heading out. But on here, you'll find a bunch of different ways that you can sign up to serve in Ross on October 9th. Now, those of you watching online that may be wanting to do this in Colerain, we do have that available in Colerain as well on October 9th. So you'll be able to sign up online. There's a link there to sign up for our Give Back Day in Colerain as well. So these will be online as well this week. But if you are interested in being part of this, please, we have a table out front that we'll have some people at. We would love to talk to you. Sign up to help us. It's just two weeks from yesterday, so it's coming up real quick. This is a way for us to love our neighbors, guys. This is a way to love our neighbors is to do this through through this Give Back Day. So be a part of that. If you're new around here or you have any questions, stop by the Hub. We would love to meet you. We would definitely love to give you a gift as a way of saying thanks for being here. Also, there's a QR code out in the lobby. You might even see it up here on the screen that we've got a QR code. Take a picture of that with your phone. It takes you to a, a website where you can sign up, give us your information, and keep in contact with us about things that are happening here at White Oak. It also has a lot of information about our giving. Our kids and students ministry, it's got great information about Discover White Oak, just lots of different things there. So check that out if you've got a chance today. We would love to talk to you if you're new for sure. Uh, Guys, we're so glad you were here. Tenacious friendship, right? I'm going to challenge you today. This is off script. I'm just going to say this is off script. and you're watching online, I want you to hear me. I'm going to challenge you. Put it on Facebook. Do whatever social media. Call those friends that have been an impact in your life today. You know, I see these posts all the time about daughter Sunday, whatever. I'm making this an unofficial friends day, okay? The friends who have made a difference in your life, tell them, okay? Tell them. Be that person that helps them know that, like, you've made a difference in my life. Do that today. I challenge you this week. Reach out to your friends. Make that, make that impact. It was great to see you guys. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. <laughs>